0: Hey team, this is Grant David Collins and welcome to Basement Philanthropy, a place for people who do not want to wait until they are rich or retired to create meaning, impact, and connection with their money, regardless of the amount. On this episode, we're going to get to view the philanthropic method in action with my friend, Katie Morse. So let's get started. If you think of the philanthropic method as only a framework, it can come off a little bit bland or boring, but when you start to layer on experiences and stories where that method has made the impact of someone's giving or philanthropy exponential, you start to really get into why having something like that in place with your personal giving can make such a difference. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I will link below the four podcasts that walk through the philanthropic method and why it is so important to giving. But when I first met Katie at a housewarming party, it was really clear that she was interested in giving. And I just experienced that time and time again as I got more and more involved with her and this particular project. Now, Katie is a physician's assistant by profession, and so she is no stranger to applying the scientific method in her work, and so she was just a natural at applying the philanthropic method to her giving. I'm so excited to be able to share this podcast with you. It's one of my favorites that we've ever recorded, so let's jump into it. So... What I would like to do before we get into the specific experience, um, which was, was helping your grandparents winterize their home, that's kind of the high level, this is what happened. Um, I want to get some context around who these people are to you how they showed up in your life. And so I would just love it if you could give us a little bit of context around um, these these two figures that um, likely have played a pretty big role in who you are.
1: Yeah. So um, they're actually not my grandparents. I'm not blood related to them. Um, and their names are Tony and Darlene, just for referencing them. Um, and when I was six weeks old, we moved into the house across the street from them And shortly after that, my mom was diagnosed with cancer Um, and she's fine now. So not a sad story, but um, you know, Yaya, or I call Darlene Yaya, that's grandma in Greek. She's Greek. And, uh, she just requested to, um, be my mom's visiting teacher and, you know, it just kind of spiraled from there. They became like surrogate grandparents.
0: Wow. So, and for those who are not familiar with the kind of that visiting teacher, um, like wording, basically it's a a sister from the church or a member of the church who's a woman who volunteers or is assigned, that's probably a better way of saying it, um, to be involved with this individual's life. Um, And that can be a wide gamut of things. Like it is not only being involved with them from like a church perspective, but it's also being involved with them from like a helping perspective and a dinner perspective or a like caring perspective. And so that's, so that's how Darlene basically got introduced to your family Mm -hmm. was because of this. But the interesting thing is that she requested it. So did she know your mom before?
1: No, she didn't. Um, They actually met because my parents had built the house across the street um, and I was born in December. So it's, you know, the middle of January, freezing cold. Um, My mom is out there holding me like, you know, helping pick out, I think, paint colors for the house. And Yaya was looking out her window and saw this woman with a brand new baby. She ran across the street. She's like, I know you don't even know me, but can I take your baby inside so she's not cold? Oh, wow. Um, that's how they met. Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. So um you you know, you're involved or they become involved with your family from like a like a church perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, does she just remain your your family's like, you know, visiting teacher for a long time? Or like how does that go from visiting teacher to like basically adopted grandparents? Like how does that happen?
1: Well, Yaya is Greek, so she's a very um, strong-willed person, and okay. she every time she saw a need, she just kind of forced herself in to help with it, um, and they're actually where I learned like the main idea of service. Um, so like when I got my polio vaccine and accidentally got the live version, I wasn't able to be home for a few weeks with my mom because she had cancer. I could have given her polio. Oh, wow. Um, and so Yaya and Papa just watched me at their house for a few weeks, um, you know, and my dad was out working or had conferences, like they would come and help with late night feedings and they took care of me and my other siblings. They were there in every aspect beyond just church service.
0: Wow. So they are, you know, in and out of your life in terms of like a daily, this isn't like a in and out of your life, but it's Mm -hmm. like, they're just like this common thread. It seems like that, that is in your life. And you said, um, or I know that you moved at 10 years old, right? Mm -hmm. So that home across the street becomes somebody else's and you all moved to Highland Do you just stay in touch because, you know, Darlene is Greek and she's going to stay in (laughs) touch? Or how does does that happen?
1: Um, I mean, that's part of it. But the main part is at that point, um, they were my grandparents. I was their granddaughter. They were family. And Mm. we would see each other, you know, at least every other Sunday dinner and... Just stayed close.
0: Wow. Yeah, I was actually pretty surprised when I think it was Darlene that was uh, – I was talking to her while we were over there. And somehow it came up that, like, you weren't, like, blood relatives. And I was like, what? Like, this is crazy because just of how, like, deep I experienced that relationship to be for you. Um, so it's just a it's, – it's such a beautiful example of – just there doesn't need to be boundaries between people just because they're blood or not. Like you can have such a big impact in people's lives, like regardless of that. So let's, Zoom kind of back into the specific experience that I wanted to speak into. Um, And it really is going to highlight that kind of first step that we talk about in the philanthropic method, which is um, identifying and understanding a need. So how do you come across this need that you eventually get a bunch of us involved with?
1: Um, Well, it started, it was beginning to get cold. Remember, I think it was like October um And I was just over at their house and Papa was sick and he has a history of pneumonia and things like that. And so yeah. he's 87. um And just mentioned that like, you know, he needed to winterize his yard and I was like, well, I can come help you with it if you need. And he's like, you know, I, um, he's like, you know, I don't even know if I'll be able to do it this year. Like you're so sweet to offer, but you know, it's more than the two of us could do. Yeah. And that's where the idea started.
0: Got it. And to give some background, um, Tony is, like, he's an avid gardener, mm-hmm. avid, like, lawn guy, from what I experienced. Like, it, has he always been that way?
1: He has, yeah. As um, I say, he actually, he and Yaya met in AA about okay. 45 years ago, and um he jokes that his garden is what keeps him out of bars. Okay. So, yeah, he, he loves it. He spends all his time there.
0: Yeah. So, you identify, Hey, this is, this is something that needs to be like done. And the beautiful thing about your interaction with these people is that, um, the understanding phase, as far as understanding what's actually going on and, and how something can be impactful, your context and history basically made that like a pretty quick, like, okay, this is what I know needs to happen. This is what I know needs to be done. And we're going to go and do something about it. And for people who aren't as familiar with whatever they see in the world, um, sometimes that can be a little bit of a grind. And basically, you made that investment the years before in creating a relationship with these two individuals. And when we come across something that is brand new, we almost have to catch up in some respects um, to these types of things that we want to be involved with as far as understanding what actually is the need that is happening here. So tell me how we go from, okay, my grandpa needs help winterizing his yard to, I'm going to get a bunch of other people involved with this.
1: Um, It was kind of kismet, actually. It was that same week that you invited me to come to Tabitha's, Tabitha's, right? Pantry with you. Um, And I just met you and all of your other friends and I could tell they were super service-minded. And on my way home, the thought just honestly popped into my head out of nowhere to ask if you and your other friends were looking for service opportunities.
0: Yeah. And I remember the text I got from you. Um, it was, it was something around the effect of like, Hey, like, do you guys look for projects or those types of things? And, uh, and basically you kind of presented this idea and it was just, it, it was so, it's so fun. Um, to be able to just see those kind of ripple effects start to happen um, when you just get involved with giving, more opportunities come to you. Um, you described me and my friends as like giving service oriented people i mean i don 't know if we would put that language to it, but that's <laughs> that 's exactly what happens and why, as you get started in this space, you get more and more opportunities to get involved with giving is because um, it that experience wears off on you. Like you just, you you can't really take it off. And once you start getting involved with this work in a, in a really meaningful way. And so I just love that, uh, you know, without us even realizing what we're doing, we're putting out in the world, like, Hey, we want to be involved with something that's bigger. And like you caught up on that. And then not only did you catch on to that, but, uh, my friends and I are the only ones that showed up um, that branched into some of your friend group. And so was that kind of like a domino effect? You're like, Oh man, maybe I could invite Grant and his friends and maybe I can invite my friends. Like how did, how did that all come about?
1: Um, yeah, it was essentially that way that you guys were the first to come to mind, um, on helping. I was trying to think of other people. I was like, you know, maybe I could ask some of the like teenage boys that they have in their neighborhood to come help or things like that. Um, but I wasn't sure who to ask. And I met you guys and you know, after that I started to just, um, set up the project and invited more and more people.
0: Yeah. And so how, uh, what, what I see in the kind of this creation of a, like impactful solution is I see a couple really powerful elements in that. So I want to, I want to hear from you, like how you started to piece that together, like, okay, you see this need now as you're developing it, like, tell me about the different elements that you include. And I'll probably have some follow-up questions about, at least one of those aspects
1: um i think i started to piece it together the most when we met at the housewarming party and you know five minutes in we were talking about service opportunities with um, like service animals and dogs and you know i said that sounds fascinating and you invited me to it and i started to kind of i guess subconsciously pick up on that like you don't have to know somebody to begin to serve them or serve with them mm-hmm. um that you know you just put that opportunity out there conscious or not and it attracts people yeah um and so you know after that you invited me to another service opportunity and it started to make me more comfortable with just reaching out to you guys even though i didn't know you um it began to normalize just having other strangers help with service.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you, from from my perspective on this project, you invited us to essentially help winterize your grandparents' yard, which mm-hmm. consisted of us coming over Mowing the lawn, picking out the old uh, uh, plants, uh, tilling the kind of garden boxes, uh, pulling weeds, all those types of of things. And, you know, that's a I I would say that's a fairly common thing that people do um, growing up as far as serving like yard work is kind of an obvious piece. Um, One thing that I wanted to speak into, though, is one of the key aspects from the very beginning was this concept that your grandparents were going to feed us so is that something that you were about or is that something that like as you said hey my friends are going to come over and help and they're like well if they're going to come over and help we're going to feed them how does that how does that come in um picture?
1: essentially the last thing you said that um My grandpa didn't even ask for help. I essentially had to force it on him. Um, He's like, no, I can do it. And I was like, no, like, my friends and I are coming. We'll show up Saturday at 2. Like, (laughs) be ready. Um, And so he kind of grumbled. He's like, okay, like, well, I can at least feed you guys. Um, Because he's not one that's able to, like, receive service. He's always serving others. So I think that was his way of like saying thank you and serving you guys in return. Yeah.
0: It was such a, it was such a beautiful part of the experience from my, from my side of the equation. Uh, and it was, it it was interesting because that was a part of it from the entire way through. And what I loved about it and, um, and I love that you allowed that to happen too, because it could have easily just turned into another thing where it's like, no, like you don't have to do anything where to come over and serve you. But whether consciously or subconsciously, you saw like, hey, there's a little bit of Tony that is being taken from him here, right? Like mm-hmm. if he had his way, he would want to winterize his own yard. Yeah. Like that's, it's very clear from my interaction with him that that's how it would be. And so to give that up is probably challenging and uh, a way to be able to um, work through that or still feel a part of it was this experience around cooking dinner being with with the people that helped and i just thought it was just this like beautiful impactful part of the the day i was super excited about that from the very beginning uh, just because of the the way that you spoke about it um but it it really for me uh brought to mind that that word of like really creating an impactful solution. Like it wasn't just about the winterizing of the yard. It was about what is Tony and Darlene's experience going to be from this? And are they going to feel lifted or are they going to feel like a burden after? And I feel like that piece of the dinner after for me, like that was a really interesting tie that allowed from my perspective for them to still feel part of that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's a huge part of it.
0: Yeah. So we show up um, on the day of the activity and from your experience, how did that go? Like you obviously planned it and then we went about doing it. How would you describe like the experience?
1: I think overall the experience was so much more than what I was expecting. Um, Cause you know, I've been friends with a lot of these people for a few months, few years that showed up and helped. Um, But, like, you and a lot of your friends, I mean, I'd met Cade for two minutes at his housewarming party and, you know, send him a text um, saying, hey, like, if you're willing to serve. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, do you guys need gloves? Do you need yard work? Like, he was over the moon to come help. And it was overwhelming, Mm -hmm. Um, just the support, the love, the... Help everything we were able to get done.
0: Yeah, so we came in and we did a bunch of different things. Um, uh, another person who's been on the podcast, actually, Alex, uh, came with me, one of my one of my good friends. And uh, Alex and I, you know, mowed the lawn, edged the lawn, um, which I haven't been involved with for a number of years. But I had a lawn mowing company in in high school, and so it just like brought da- back a bunch of nostalgia for me. Mm-hmm. And then we like roto tilled some of these gardens. Boxes and for us, I'll just speak for for Alex and I because we we talked about it after. It was so nice to get back out and to do some like yard service because when when you're in college or even post college, you don't usually live in places that have yards. And there's just something like beautiful about that type of work. And so for us, I just or I'll just speak for myself. I just felt so um, fulfilled during that experience. It was just like such a fulfilling experience that, uh, that we were able to have. Um, and as, as you are observing that from your end, um, was there anything that you felt like if you were going to go back and do it again, that you would have changed or, or switched or created differently?
1: I don't think so. No, I think everything turned out, like I said, so much better than I was imagining.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was beautiful. I, I especially, and I talked a little bit about this. I loved the, um, the after, um, portion where we just got to sit down as friends and then with your grandparents and just like get to know them a little bit better. It's so often that service turns into this, like, um, like drive by situation where you get in, you get out and like job well done. Everybody you know we we had a day and you know we're going to move on with our lives and i loved the hour or hour and a half that we had after to be able to just get to know your uh, your grandparents a little bit better and they're so kind and just so inviting i'm actually greek a little bit myself oh. and so i feel like that's probably why we connected <laughs> a little bit more um but it was yeah i just i really really enjoyed it so Tell me about what happened after we all left.
1: After you guys all left, um, honestly, Papa started to tear up. Wow. Yeah. He looked out over the yard and he's, you know, Marine from Korea, super tough, all of that. Yeah. Um, and just looked out over his yard and he just started to tear up. And he's like, I can't imagine what you guys did. Like, you know. I would never would have been able to do this myself. And for days afterwards, when I would come see them, he and Yaya both would be like, you know, we just keep looking out the window and we're so um, grateful. Wow, You know, they spend their lives serving other people that it's, I think weird for them. They forget what it's like to have people serve them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. And, uh, and when we talk about like measuring impact, um, sometimes it's going to be in dollars or donations or, those types of things that are like, um, more quantitative, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can put like a, a number to something, but there's also these other things that are more like the softer side of the equation. And especially when you're involved with personal giving, um, those relationships and the experience that you have after, um, it's done is really where impact is measured. And, um, another question I have around it is tell me how you like what your experience was after that. Like, was there anything you would add? I know you talked a little bit about it, but is there anything that you would add to that?
1: Um, I think my experience afterwards was just very similar to theirs, just having that like eyes opened to the fact that there are these types of people out there and the impact that service had. I mean, for me, I was just, you know, almost like you said, kind of expecting a drive-by service. I didn't want these people to take a ton of time out of their day, out yeah. of their lives to just come help is what I was expecting. Um, and it turned into just this beautiful service opportunity um, where I got to meet new people and make closer friendships. And yeah. it was incredible.
0: Yeah. You, you have such a, an interesting spot in this whole thing because although you were giving, like you were also receiving – And so like, there's like, it's usually like cut and dry, like, okay, we have the, you know, giver and receiver. And, uh, you were just kind of mashed all in the middle of all of it. Um, that, that has to be a, yeah, that's an interesting, interesting place to be Mm -hmm. in the whole equation. Um, when you think about, um, this experience, tell me, um, and, and for the audience, like what you've learned um or what how you are different um because of that experience this doesn't have to be anything like crazy profound but i'm just wondering if 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 something's changed in the way that you view service or giving or philanthropy uh, as you worked through that experience that we've just talked through
1: i think it's a lot about what you explained before how there's an impact that's like you know monetary or financial and there's the impact that's um, softer I think you said to use your words and you know in medicine I see it where like you know I help the patient or um, you know support them like emotionally or empathize and they're super grateful and I see that like softer impact that I can have for them which is part of why I love medicine but it's not often reciprocated like you know I feel good I feel happy that I can serve people. But then going out and seeing, like hearing your perspective, especially that you're providing service and yet it was touching to you on a yeah. profound level. And it just kind of opened my eyes that, you know, service is more than just giving something to someone else. Like you receive a lot more in return, I think, than I've experienced throughout my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true. There's just this, um, there's just this fulfillment that comes into your life mm-hmm. when you're involved with this type of work. And uh I I talked about this a a couple podcast episodes ago when when I talked about gratitude in um and giving. And w- we just live in this just hyper focused world on on ourselves. And we're all looking for the next hit or the next, you know, thing to buy or whatever that might be. And we're we're searching a lot of times in vain because after we get, you know, that next hit, we gotta go find it again. And being involved with other people um is from my experience one of the only ways that I have essentially been able to pull myself out of that. Um and to be able to say when someone says, Hey Grant, like how are you doing, instead of saying like good or bad. I really just am able to answer with like, I'm just fulfilled. I'm fulfilled in my life. And that doesn't mean that I don't still have dreams or goals that I want to accomplish. That doesn't mean I still don't have bad days that show up. But um, when you get involved with being uh, a force for good in other people's lives, um, that focus on self um, is diverted. And for me, it just opens up number one, how grateful I can be for my own life and then how much I have to be able to give to other people. Uh, closing out, um, Katie, is, is there anything as, as you were kind of thinking about this podcast as we've been talking today um, that, uh, that you would want to share or you would want to kind of speak into just regarding the, the topic in general?
1: I think it kind of shows just the whole process, like you said, the philanthropic process that, you know, a lot of it for people is subconscious, but that for those that struggle to find service opportunities, that it can be a lot simpler than people think. Yeah, Um, They're not necessarily ones that you have to seek out. It's keeping your open for needs that people express, um, whether or not you know them, and then starting the process from there of just, um, you know, always being on the lookout for service opportunities and having your heart open for that. And the universe manifests it if you're looking for it.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And if you can use a framework like the philanthropic method, those like serendipitous experiences become things that are so, so impactful because you're creating it with intention Mm -hmm. rather than, than just like throwing, you know, caution to the wind, like I hope this works. And like, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, you know, having a little bit of that framework um, is, is just a, a really important part. The last question I have for you, Katie, before we wrap up here is like, what would you say to somebody who is on the sidelines right now for one reason or another? What would you, what would you tell them about, you know, based on your, your recent experiences with getting involved a little bit more in this work? What would, what would you say to them?
1: I think the biggest thing I'd say to them is just to figure out why they're on the sidelines, um, you know, figure out what it is that they would want to do from surface, what it is maybe that's holding them back. if it's a fear, if it's not knowing how to do it, um, if it's being too busy and then to just find ways around that. Um, and it ended up like for me that week, I was incredibly busy and kept having this thought in the back of my mind, like, you know, you can, um, ask other people to do this or, um, things like that. And I almost backed out on Mm. it actually, because I was so busy and I was afraid, I think, of putting myself out there and asking for help. Um, and I'm so glad that I didn't do that. And I think that holds a lot of people back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, I couldn't agree with you more around that, Katie. It, it really, um, is this, um, fear of, um, not, feeling like you're enough or just not like being able to identify what's holding you back. And then once you identify that, it's it's a it's a fairly simple way to be able to get through that. You just start to say, okay, well, how could I get over that? Or how could I create something that would that would work for me around that? And um so I, I love I love that, that you've shared that. Um Katie, this has been just amazing. Thanks for this is the fourth time we've met and thanks for coming down to the basement with me.
1: Yeah. Thanks for asking me.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. I'm just going to close this off with a quick podcast outro. Well, team, that's it for me. Let's go out into the world and create good with the money in our pockets together.
1: Talk soon.